Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Wake up, Peter. Wake up, Peter. Peter, wake up. Time is right now. There's no more time. It's on us. It's happening right now. Peter scrambles to his feet. The, the fog of sleep is still on him. If you've ever woken up in the middle of a, of a really good nap, you know what that feels like, that feeling of just being a little bit in a, in a cloud. And that's Peter, and he looks around, and what does he see? There's torches. There's, I don't know, I'm just going to say 100. Let's say 100 men coming. It looks like all the temple guard. They emptied the guard out from the temple, and they're coming with clubs and torches, and here they come towards Jesus, and Peter's like, okay, here we go. It's time. Okay, what's going on? Jesus steps forward. Hey, who are you looking for? We're, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. I am. They all fall backwards. They fall to the ground. Then they collect themselves back up again. Who are you looking for? Looking for Jesus. Now, Peter is tense, right? He's there. He's got one hand on his sword. He sees in the front of the crowd is Judas, the best of them. Judas is right in the front. He's like, what's going on? Are these guys with Judas? Judas comes over and he speaks with Jesus for a second. I don't think Peter could quite hear what they were saying. Gives him a kiss on the cheek. And he's a hand on the sword. Hand on the sword. Why does he have a sword? He shouldn't have a sword, but he's got a sword. His hand's on it. He's ready. This is it. I'm never going to forsake Jesus. Never going to forsake Jesus. And, and then they start moving, and somebody comes and they lay a hand on Jesus. And with all of his zeal and with all of his strength, down comes the sword. Now, Peter is a pretty decent fisherman, but he's not a great swordsmith. He misses the headshot that he's going for. Just off comes the ear. Like a little sound effect. There goes the ear. Falls into the dirt. Now Jesus, in this moment, takes a great opportunity to just utterly and completely confuse Peter. He reaches down into the dirt, dusts off the ear, looks at Peter, says, Permit even this, Peter. Back goes the ear. Onto Malchus. Now, Peter's visibly confused at this moment, and I think I would be too. What is happening? Doesn't Jesus realize that these guys are the ones that are coming to kill him? And doesn't he realize that the 12 are with him and they're going to want to kill us too? Isn't this, isn't it go time? I mean, he said, I am. People are falling over. Isn't this the kingdom? Isn't this the time for battle? Shouldn't we be rising up and, and engaging the enemy? Permit even this. In the confusion, the 12 scatter. Peter withdraws, steps back. They take Jesus. He's, he's the target. The 12 kind of scatter away. There's one guy running off buck naked. That's a story for another time. He falls back and he follows from a distance. 
And, and, and they take Jesus, they take him to the, the leader, uh, Caiaphas, who's, who's the high priest at that time for a mock trial, and Peter just hangs out in the courtyard. He's close by, still has a sword, ready to fight, just waiting for the call. When Jesus says, all right now, Peter, he's going to, he's ready to go. Never going to abandon Jesus, but he's going to wait. He's going to hold back where it's safe, where it's safe, where it's safe. Surely Jesus wants his friends, his little lambs, to be safe, right? I'll wait nearby, wait to see what happens. I'm ready to jump in. Only the Lord really knows what Peter's thinking. I, I try to imagine, I, I hope you, you've enjoyed this little journey, hopefully into Peter's mind a bit, but I just imagine that this is what's going through his head. I'm gonna, I've been there, I've, little justifications, the little thoughts we have, the conversation we have with ourselves to say, it's okay, all right, I'll do this. I'll, it'll be okay. He stays back, and then a little while later, aren't you with him? Aren't you? He's, he's a Galilean. Only the Galileans would have followed this guy. No, 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 no. Denies knowing Jesus outrightly. He's cursing. He's swearing. Swearing great oaths. I don't know the man. And then a rooster crows somewhere in the distance. And Peter, the rock, now feels a rock in the pit of his stomach as he realizes that what Jesus had prophesied over him came true. Peter realizes what Jesus had known all along. Peter was not ready to suffer with the Lord. He wasn't ready. With that heart, with that mind, with that understanding, I want to jump into 1 Peter chapter 4. Just read this to you. It should be up on the screens also. So then... Since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude that he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically with Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and their lust, their feasting and their drunkenness and their wild parties, their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do, so they slander you. But remember that they have to face God, who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead." Now, I've heard this passage before, taught with a heavy, heavy, oh, you guys, we've got to do better. You're not doing good enough. You're not doing enough. We've got to rise up above all these things in the world. Do. And let me just tell you, that I think the heart of Peter is so clear. As a man who remembers his own history, as a man who remembers the places where he's gone, his heart is not to come down harshly in an authoritative tone to beat you down and beat you up for not quite doing good enough, but rather he wants us to succeed where he himself had failed. He wants us to be ready when it's our turn at the plate so that we knock the ball out of the park. <sighs> right? He wants us to be successful. We will all suffer something at some point. And I want to say that with, um, I mean, this isn't the feel-good message of the year, guys, okay? <laughs> We're all going to suffer at some point. 
tragedy, opposition, betrayal, abandonment, sickness, death, the list goes on. It's in the world where we live. We can't avoid it. Suffering happens. It's a real thing. We can't downplay it. I think frequently in church situations where I've been in, it's downplayed. It's just, uh, well, okay, but we have Jesus, so it'll be okay. Yeah, we have Jesus, so we still have hope, but we also still have pain. It's a real thing. Peter walked with God in the flesh for three and a half years, and he still suffered. Like, with Jesus with him, there were still difficult days. Jesus himself, all power, all authority, all dominion, God in the flesh, had suffering in his life. And I don't think we're above our Savior. I don't think we're above him. I don't think we get to escape what he didn't. Now, before we all had hope in Christ, before we had hope in God, we coped with suffering like the world copes, right? The world, you heard the list here in the first couple of verses, immorality, lust, drinking, feasting, parties, all of that is to shove something in because there's an emptiness inside. They don't have any, anything to cope with the suffering of the world, right? So let's keep shoveling things in to try to find something that's going to do the trick, that's going to help us to, to power through. So... I mean, I might have eaten more than I should have a couple of times. That might be a thing that's happened in my past. I've coped. I've coped with too much food. I've coped with sexual immorality. I've coped. I've been that guy. I've been there. What he's talking about here, I get it. But now he's saying to us, you've had enough. We've all had enough. Raise your hand if you've had enough of the sin of the world. I'll be praying for the few of you. I, you know who you are, okay? <laughs> but we've all had enough because it leaves us worse than when we started out. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't give us what we need to cope. We'll be hungry again. We'll be thirsty again. We'll, we'll be chasing that high again. It doesn't work. It doesn't satisfy. But we are in Christ now. And so we have something. We're armed with something to, to combat the suffering, something, something that is inside of us, if we prepare properly, we can be ready when the suffering comes. And that's what he's talking about here. That's what he says. You must arm yourselves with the same attitude that Christ had. That's a deliberate action, a choice we make. Like, like when you're putting on armor, right? You don't, or, or maybe in modern terms, you get in your gun. And you get your gun, right? You grab your gun. You don't just, it, you know, I have it in the cupboard. It's in the safe. Well, then you're not armed. You've got to go to the safe. You've got to unlock the safe. You've got to put it out. You've got to strap it on. And now when the bear meets you in the wilderness, you're ready. Okay? Anybody tracking with me? Arm yourselves? Anybody packing right now? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Three of you are ready to throw your hands up, but I know who you are. It's okay. <laughs> this is Idaho. It's okay. If you're ready for suffering, if you've armed yourself beforehand with the knowledge that we follow in the footsteps of a suffering Savior, you will not react to suffering, you'll respond to it. You will respond to suffering by seeking the will of God in the midst of difficulty. Your car will break down and you'll say, Lord, what do you have in this for me? You'll lose your job and you'll say, What's the next door? What do you have? What's the next thing? How can I glorify you in this? 
you'll find an ear in the dirt, and you'll heal and you'll restore those who have come to destroy you. Rather than trying to find whatever we can to try to fill us in the midst of difficulty, we should be seeking to release what God has already put inside of us. And he's put inside of us something precious and amazing. I'm going to read to you something. I want you guys to all close your eyes and just listen to this for a second. This is, you know, Peter tells us the stories, but Paul explains what's going on. I'm going to let let Paul explain this for a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But... We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always carrying about in in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Now listen to this. So death then is working in us, but life in you. There is an opportunity that is unique in the framework of suffering. An opportunity that is unique in the frame of suffering to bring the life of God into the circle of people that God has placed us. Earthen vessels are fragile. They're easily cracked. Anybody ever drop something made of glass? My kids do all the time. I have very few dishes left in my cupboard right now. We're just talking. We need to replace a few. You drop it. You break it. If it's made of the dirt, it's going to break into small pieces. We're made of the dirt. (laughs) God made us out of the dirt, guys. We're earthen vessels, easily cracked, easily broken but we are filled with a precious light. And if the Holy Spirit is able to shine out of us when we're broken, it can bring life to those who are around us. Now, no one gets excited about suffering. It stinks. Duh, right? Raise your hand if you get excited about suffering. I like the raise your hand thing. I do that all the time. Don't raise your hand. It's stupid. Who likes suffering? But we can get excited about the opportunity that suffering can bring in the form of releasing the life-bringing light of God through our shattered situations. When we're shattered, it's a situation for God's light to come out. Do you remember what Peter said back in chapter 2? I know you do because you all memorized it as we were reading through. (laughs) You are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you, what? Out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you, when we have entered into his marvelous light, his marvelous light also enters into us. When we enter into his marvelous light, his marvelous light enters into us. And he joins with us and he stays with us. And so I wonder when I hear about Peter, I wonder and I ask, I say to myself, why wasn't Peter ready? Why wasn't Peter ready? What did he miss in that moment? Why He's been walking with Christ for three and a half years. What what did he miss? Remember that same night 
when Jesus was arrested, rewind a little bit, give you a little backstory. He's in the garden of Gethsemane, and he's like super stressed out, like more than any of us know. And he's really intense, and he says, you know what? We need to pray, guys. We need to pray. Uh, I'm going to die in a minute. I'm ready. I need to pray about this, <laughs> right? Who did he take with him special to go pray? Peter, James, and John, the three amigos of the 12. And Jesus comes and he says, guys, we've got to pray hard. This is going to be an intense situation. It's going to get real here in a minute. The suffering's coming. We've got to pray. Do you remember when Jesus came back like three minutes later and Peter was, you know, resting in the Lord? And he's taking a little nap, and he's sawing the logs, and Peter, Jesus gives him a little kick. Hey, Peter, this is kind of important. Like, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Your spirit is willing, but your body is weak. Well, Peter jumps right up. In that moment, he gets super serious. He takes three shots of espresso. He starts praying out. The heavens are shaken. The principalities and powers are thrown down. Oh, no, uh, that's what he thought he was doing. He was actually sleeping again. It was a dream. The dude kept, he's like me. He's just like me. It's prayer time, and it's also sleep time. That's the backstory for verse 7. Let me read you verse 7 in 1 Peter 4. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Interesting. Peter didn't do great in that space, did he? But what did he see? The fruit of not doing great in that space. So he says to me and he says to you, hey guys, hey guys, don't miss this. <laughs> it's coming. The end of all things is right around the corner. Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Be ready. Do you want to know how to prepare? We prepare through prayer. And that rhymes, so it's got to be true. <laughs> we prepare through prayer. Peter could trace back to the very moment where everything went wrong. He missed the chance to be ready when he chose to sleep instead of pray. And he wants you and I to do better. If we don't pray in the peaceful garden during the day, we won't be ready for the suffering and the difficulty tonight. I'm going to say that again because I think we need to hear it. I need to hear it again. If we don't pray during the peaceful garden of the day, we won't be ready for the suffering and the difficulty tonight. If I'm not filled with the Lord when I come to the time of breaking, then what's going to come out of me? What's going to come out of me when I'm put to the test? When the AC unit breaks, and it's going to take 10 days for them to come back with a replacement unit, and it's hotter than Satan's armpit in your house. And your kids, well, it's hard on them, so they have 10,000 things to ask you about. This is purely hypothetical. <laughs> and you have stress, and you have mm, cutting words. And ears are hitting the dirt, and blood splurting. <laughs> What's going to come out of you if you're not ready in the day of difficulty, when it's too hot to sleep, and you're exhausted, and you're grumpy? What comes out then? A sword. A sword for your foes. Only you don't know who the real enemy is. 
because you see the high priest's servant. You think he's the enemy. He's not the enemy. He's the one Jesus loves. Your kid's asking you for something that should be just a no-brainer, but don't you know? A sword comes out. Deadly words, poison darts come out of me when I'm not prepared to suffer. I end up distancing myself from the Lord. And I deny him in my actions. Peter heard them talking nearby. Isn't he one of the disciples? Isn't he a Galilean? Jesus is being mercilessly beaten right across the courtyard as they're interrogating him. It's not an interrogation. They're just hitting him for fun. Peter has set himself apart once and for all. He swears the oaths. He cursed like a sailor. He was a decent fisherman after all. Not a very good disciple. He pauses his denials long enough to catch the breath. He hears the rooster crow. And right at that moment across the courtyard, Luke tells us that Jesus catches his eye. He looks at Peter right then. Hey, Peter, remember? Do you remember we talked about this moment? This was going to be a thing. And when he catches his eyes, Peter's heartbroken. Oh, no. I did all the things I said I wouldn't do. And he goes out and he cries bitterly. Let's fast forward a few days, though. Jesus has risen from the dead. Peter's heard about this. But he goes back to doing what he knows best. He's a decent fisherman. He's in the boat. He's fishing. And from the shore, Jesus does some miraculous things we don't have time to get into right now, but he shows off a little bit. And then Peter realizes it's Jesus. And I want to tell you that I think that when he looked across the courtyard and he met the eyes of Jesus, I don't think he saw condemnation. I don't think he saw eyes that said, how could you? Oh, Peter. Oh. (laughs) I think he saw grace in the eyes of the Lord, just like Noah did when he looked in the eyes of the Lord. And I think he saw grace in the eyes of the Lord, just like I did when I called out to the Lord for salvation and to save me from my sins. I think he looked across and he saw grace and he saw mercy. And I think that because when he realizes it's Jesus on the shore over there, he doesn't start rowing for the other shore. He jumps out fully clothed and swims as hard as he can, as fast as he can, beelines it straight for Jesus. He's headed straight for the king. Now, Jesus is known as a wonderful savior, but let me tell you, he was also apparently a decent cook. He's grilling up some fish, he's preparing some food, and he invites Peter back into relationship with himself. Come sit, eat with me. Let's hang out, let's talk. And Peter and the Lord share a meal, and Jesus gets Peter to open up, to be honest about where he's at in his relationship with Christ. He's not all that in a bag of potato chips. Jesus knew that all along, but now Peter knows it. And he commissions Peter three times, not once, not twice, three times. Teach the rest of the people who will follow me. Teach them about what I've taught you. Teach them who I am. If you love me, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed these precious people. And now we come, now we come to 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 11. And these are the things that are in Peter's mind as he says, most important of all, most important of all, continue to show deep love for one another. 
for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all of the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Do you see the three things that Peter calls for right there? Fascinates me. Fascinates me in light of what he experienced from the Lord. First, he says, love above all other things. You better have love because it covers a multitude of sins. What did Jesus extend first to Peter? He extended his love. He looked, he saw him in his sin right when it was happening. I see you, Peter. I see you. And then he dies for him forgiving his sin, covering his sin. Love will cover a multitude of sins. Peter has had a multitude of sins forgiven by Christ. A forgiven sin will not block me and you from hanging out. You steal my car, I forgive you for it, we're still going to have lunch. It's a thing, if I truly have forgiven you. Jesus has truly forgiven Peter. Jesus has truly forgiven me and forgiven you. When we show love to one another, it points out and draws attention to the love that God has for people as well. It's so important. We have to love one another. We get to love one another. And we get to represent Christ in that way. Second thing on his list, hospitality. What a weird thing. I wouldn't have put hospitality as number two. But Peter lived a different life than I've lived. <laughs> and what did Jesus show to him? Hospitality. Come have a meal with me, buddy. I've forgiven your sins, so we have the opportunity for relationship. Now I'm inviting you so you know I want the relationship. Did you know that Christ wants a relationship with you? He doesn't just have to because he's God. He doesn't have to because it's his nature and his character and because he's good and stuff. He actually wants to in spite of you, in spite of me. He sees all the dirt. He sees the stuff. He sees us across the courtyard. He's forgiven all of that, and he says to you and he says to me, I still want to hang out with you. Come to my table. Come to my table and eat and drink and see that I am good. Hospitality. If I'm giving to you out of the supply of what I need to survive, then you must be important to me. When we give to the world around us out of that supply in Jesus' name, it lets them know that they're important and of value to God. Finally, he says, use whatever gift God's given you effectively. Interesting to me. Because isn't that what he told him too? Isn't that what Jesus told Peter when he's sitting there? Like, I've given you a gift of teaching. Use it. If you love me, then use it. Why? Why is that the thing? Why is that so important? Because when we use, when I use, when you use the gift that God has given us, we become an extension of God's relationship to the people around us. You get to be a part of God directly interacting with people. Because it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit in me. And when somebody feels that, they're going to know God is reaching out to me right now through this spoken word, through this given gift, through this hospitality, through this kids' ministry activity that, that's happening right now, through whatever it is that the gift that God's given you. So he says, do it to the fullest extent of what God has given you strength and given you ability. Listen, Peter isn't preaching out of a vacuum, gang. He's not just up here like, I'm on the tower and I've, I've read the Holy Scriptures. 
And I know what it is, and here I'm going to tell it to you, see? That's not. Peter's speaking out of an abundance of personal experience. He's telling us the things that we should seek after because those are the very things that God used to bring Peter back from the brink, back from failure, back from denial, to restore him back into relationship. And that's what God is all about. He desires relationships. Relationships with you, with me, us to have good relationships with each other. He built this whole machine, this whole mechanism of the planet Earth designed to uh, sustain relationships. You can think on that one. It's true. The wheels are going to have to turn for a bit, but you'll catch up. I'm going to invite the the ushers to come forward right now. We're going to take communion. Come forth. Come forth, ushers. While I was preparing for this message, I sensed that the Lord wants to do more than just talk about relationship and not just stir up our minds and think interesting thoughts about relationship, but he wants, he wants to extend relationship to you this morning. Now, I, if any of you have been around me for a while, you know that I have a personal bend. I love communion. It's a cool thing to me. I get it, and I understand what it's about. It's, it's the cup of the Lord, it's, and it's his body broken that brings me into personal relationship with him. It's one of only two sacraments. Did you know there's only two sacraments for the modern church? The Gentile church. We only have two things. He said, he said baptism, check that box, we're good. And he said communion, right? The baptism speaks of associating ourselves with the death uh, of our flesh so that we can be resurrected with the Lord. Communion speaks of the death of Christ. And the death of Christ that he did had one purpose. There's only one reason why he died. To reestablish relationship with humanity. To forgive the sin so that he could relate again with the sinners. So he could wash us clean, make us new, and then we could enter into fellowship with him. And so this cup that's being passed around isn't just a, a cup of filled with a little bit of juice in it, which is way too little juice in my opinion. It should be much bigger cups. Tim, make a note. We need bigger cups of juice, okay? But it's an invitation from God directly. God is inviting you this morning. Not the church, although he's inviting the church, he's inviting you. He's inviting you at home. He's inviting you to take the bread that speaks of his broken body. Do you remember what happens when somebody filled with the Spirit gets broken? Life comes. And God is bringing life through his broken body. And, he, and it's a cup, a cup that they would share, that they would all drink from together. And it speaks of the blood of Christ that washes away your sins and allows that relationship to be, even be possible, but also tells us that it's not dependent on us and our ability but that it's fully sustained by his capability. Jesus' love on the cross, after he plainly saw Peter's sin, allowed Peter to come back to Jesus unhindered. His hospitality welcomed Peter back into the relationship. His gift to Peter of teaching and preaching allowed Peter to become an extension of Christ to the world, bringing hope that the love of God is real for humanity that the hospitality of the King of kings and the Lord of lords invites us to his table to eat with him, to have relationship with him. (sighs) Father, what a small thing, a little piece of bread, but it speaks so much. It speaks of your brokenness. 
And Lord, we're grateful for your broken body, that you took upon yourself all that we deserved. You allowed yourself to be crushed so that your life could be poured out on us. And Lord, we know that when we eat this, we're one with you. And we thank you for inviting us into that relationship with you, to invite us into that oneness with you, that we don't need to be separated or apart from you in any way because of what you've done. Lord, we're so grateful. Let's take together the bread. Hmm. And Father, you spoke, or Jesus, rather, you spoke, and you said you wouldn't drink this cup again till you drank it new with us in your kingdom. And we drink this in anticipation. We hold this cup in anticipation of that day when we get to drink it new with you, King Jesus. So excited to sit at your table, Lord, and to just drink this with you. Thank you for pouring out your blood so that it's possible. We love you and we thank you. And as we drink this together now, we remember your sacrifice for us, and we look forward to spending all of eternity with you in relationship because of what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, let's drink together. Mm. If this morning you're feeling the weight of failure, and maybe you're feeling a little bit more like Peter in the courtyard, and a little less like Peter on the beach eating fish. I want to just let you know that God has seen everything you've ever done and everything you ever will do. And while you were yet a sinner, he still died for you. And nothing can ever change that. He will always love you. And he forgives you of your sins. And he doesn't want anything to hinder you from coming to relationship with him. I just want to take a moment and pray over all of you. Father, I just want to, I just, your grace is so abundant beyond we could even think to ask. And Lord, we see our sins because we're so short-sighted we can't see past them sometimes. Lord, I just want to pray right now that the wave of your forgiveness would just wash over the people in this room, the people who are watching at home. Lord, right now that they would have a deep understanding of how much grace you've poured out that the more we sin and fail, the more your grace shows up. It's more abundant. And Lord, I just pray that your mercy right now would completely cover and remove any sin over anybody who's in here feeling the weight of condemnation or guilt. Lord, for the express purpose that we would come to you right now and remain with you and come to you often in relationship. Father God, I pray right now that you would restore the relationships of the people in this room to you who have been damaged, who have been hurt, who have been separated, who felt that they couldn't come close to you because of sin, because of failure. Lord, I pray right now that your grace would draw them near to you. And Father, I pray right now that you would just reveal to each one of us the gift that you've given to us by your Spirit that way that you have gifted each one of us to be an extension of your grace and of your mercy and of your relationship to the world around us. Father, would you fill us to overflowing with the ability to share this hope with the world around us. We thank you, Lord God. We are so grateful for what you've done. Please stir us up to good works. Please stir up my brothers and sisters to love one another, to love the world around them, to be hospitable, and to minister the gifts you've given. We love you and we thank you. 
pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's a thing we do at this church. We get together in small groups after we've had a time in the Word, and we discuss what God is doing in our hearts. We have a question that we give you guys to kind of prompt prompt that whole thing. So today's question is, what is the gift that God has given to me to allow me to be an extension of His love to the world? And then secondarily, how do I better utilize that gift in the places that God has me? My work, my family, wherever. I suggested maybe, you know, can God make a rock so big that He can't lift it? Pastor Tim said that's not a good question. So we're not going to ask that one. So uh, why don't you go ahead and take a moment, gather into small groups. Don't be bashful. This isn't, please don't sneak out of here. This is an important time. What this is going to do is going to establish something in your heart. When you talk about it and you make it personal and you make it direct, this is going to be an establishing time for God's word to get deep roots in your heart. So take a few minutes, gather up into small groups. I just want to thank you for joining us online today. Uh, We really uh, miss you having you here in person, but uh, we're glad that you joined us today. God bless each and every one of you. And may the Lord be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.